Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, we just continue to enjoy this spring weather, don't we? I mean, uh, or fall weather. Fall weather, it's yeah. Just, uh, yeah. It, feels, yeah. it could be spring, too. I mean, it could it's, be. It's hot it has been wonderful. Yeah, outside. it is. It really has. It's a great time of the year. Um, you it know, is. got football going on. Um, yep. Football weather has been cold at night a little bit. Not mm-hmm. much to talk about from the Gamecocks or Tigers. No, Georgia's, standpoint. Georgia's marching on. <laughs> as always. You know, as always. That's yeah. fantastic. They're doing well. Got World Series going on. Yeah. As well. There that you go. Braves didn't make it, so I'm... Uh, I don't even know who's playing. Are you playing? Ar- Arizona and uh, Texans. Okay. Yeah. All te- right. Texas Rangers, I think. And then uh, Halloween next week? Halloween. You don't have anybody coming trick-or-treating no, in your house. like probably I, not. We'll we probably, both live out in the country, so... We'll probably turn the lights out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's just... We're not... We don't live in a neighborhood, so... Likewise. Yeah. yeah don't have yeah. small kids. But, yep, uh, so. yeah, weather's great. This is, uh, to me, October's weather, 80s, 50s. Wonderful time Man, of the year. It just doesn't get better than that. You can yeah. open your windows at night. And, and here, late October, we're still enjoying that. Usually, by now, we've had a frost. Yeah. But we haven't had one yet. Yeah. And so, I, I, it's we have an extended fall. Yes. Which has been really nice. I like it. So, there you go. And speaking of, of inter- nice stuff, if you will, I mean, we got some good topics to talk about here. Um. We're going to start off talking about what's going on in the stock market, right? Yeah, a lot, a lot of questions on that. Certainly, it's been an interesting year. Um, cash inflation is just stubborn, and uh, interest rates are, are rising a little bit. So we're going to dive into that a little bit, talk about kind of what we're seeing, what we're hearing. Uh, I mean, obviously, no one knows the direction of the market or, or interest rates for that matter. But you know, if you understand a little bit about what's going on, it, it helps a little bit when you start seeing the the news cycle, which is just a beating drum of negative news and it uh, really can kind of beat you down a little bit. That's true. Yeah. You do have to learn to tune that out. So that'll be a good topic. And then um, we're going to follow that up with those 11 rules that helped save a million dollars. It's a very interesting story. Actually, it's based on this guy and his wife who retired super early. Um, I won't spoil it, but anyway, they had some, they have some rules here. They followed that helped them accomplish that. And uh, you don't want to tune in for that. That one's really good. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 28 years' experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey Certified Counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 30 years. We're excited to have you on our show today. Um, we're up every week, um, every Friday uh, morning. Yeah, you can find yeah. us anywhere in the world. Posted on our website, moneymd.net. We also have some links to... Um, some tools out there. We have some spreadsheets uh, for, you, for you nerds out there, as Dave Ramsey calls you. Uh, go check that out. And also a Facebook page, the Prescription of the Week, we post out, out there every week. And I think you're doing that this week. Yeah, absolutely. And check us out on our website, moneymd.net, where you can link to us there. You can send us your questions. We'll talk about those right here on the show. And you can listen to all of our previous shows. They're out there on the on the, uh, on the website. So uh, do check us out there. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from uh, DFA, Dimensional Fund Advisors. That's a mutual fund company we use, and they're really, really good on, on historical data. And uh, this is looking back at history a little bit. And, and the, the financial fact, and it's kind of a prescription of the week a little bit, is be careful when you look at sample periods of returns. And so just as an example, the S&P 500 has outperformed um, U.S. small cap value stocks by 1.7% all the way back to, to 2010. So when you start comparing performances, 
you know, large U.S. has done better than, than small cap value U.S. by a significant amount. But what you don't look at and what you don't see in that is, is if you look at the decade before the 2010 time period, the S&P 500 did horrible. I mean, it lost yeah. money for 10 years, whereas U.S. small value did exceptionally well. And when you take it out even to a further time frame, when you go out all the way back to, to 1927, U.S. small value stocks have outperformed the S&P 500 um, by about three percentage points. So, you know, past performance certainly yeah. doesn't guarantee future results, but you got to be really careful. I mean, gross stocks are doing well this year, but you know what? They got hammered last year. Right. And right. Um, so you got to be careful when you start looking at, at the, the past performance and even going back 10 years, you have to look at the 10 years before that to kind of get a truer picture of, hey, how is this asset class performing? Exactly. Yeah. You got to look at really long time periods to to make those kind of academic assessments of what should be in your portfolio, what you should invest in. But diversification is the key because yes. nobody knows what's going to do well this year or next year. You got to be diversified and then strategically, you know, allocated in the right asset classes. So, uh, yeah, like John said, be careful looking at those, uh, you know, one, three, five, even yeah. 10 year returns. Yeah. Sometimes they're tricky. It can be very deceiving. So. All right, and that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is what is going on with the market, John? What's happening recently here, and, and what's driving all this? Yeah, this is from uh, U.S. Bank, uh, Eric Friedman, and um, you know, nearly one year into a recovery from the two thousand or the twenty twenty two bear market. So last year, the, you know, the the stocks were down in some cases twenty percent. Um, there's a lot of variables that are contributing to this choppy market. Um, they include mixed signals about the strength of the economy. There's uncertainties about the uh, monetary policy of the Federal Reserve. And obviously, you know, we're, we're seeing this daily, but geopolitical tensions as well, certainly over in Israel and still going on in Ukraine. And so by the end of the, you know, July of 2023, I mean, the markets had done well. They had almost recovered from last year's downturn, but the markets gave back much of those gains and, you know, have, has, have they turned negative in the last couple of months, August, September, and even October or uh, are, are very, very difficult months. And um, so yeah, we may be out of a bear market environment, but um, certainly doesn't feel like a bull market has emerged at this point. So, you know, the Fed continues to maintain um, elevated interest rates and they're trying to com combat uh, inflation. They have a target of 2%, which they're looking at. Uh, the U.S. economy is, um, it continues at a steady pace for growth. Uh, there's favorable economic developments like the, you know, good, strong job market, Consumer spending is strong, and that's helped the economy, um, you know, be on a modestly positive track. And corporate earnings, they did slow a little bit in the first half of the year, but not quite as dramatically as anticipated by uh, you know a lot of market observers. So projections are for earnings to tilt in a slightly positive direction going forward. Um, but there's other factors that are going to really impact the last two months of this year and the start of 2024. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, we are kind of clawing back from a challenging year last year. Um, when you look back at 2022, it marked the second bear market um, for U.S. stocks in three years. That's unusual. Now, that's just very unusual. And though it was less severe than the one three years ago, um, you know, during the pandemic, still it's unusual to have two bear markets back to back almost like this. Um and the com but the combination of persistent inflation and the Fed's rapid rate increases really drove the markets in last year in, in 2022 um, and drove them down. You know, investors 
appeared to make some adjustments, but today the stock market continues to exhibit a lot of volatility and it's it's having some struggles. You know, after five consecutive months of positive performance earlier in the year, um, we saw stocks, you know, pull back, um, you know, uh, back this summer. You know, stocks lost ground in August, September, and October. So, you know, markets are struggling a little bit. Yeah, they are. And so there's a couple of factors to, to look at um, to, you know, that will help the, the uh, markets go higher. One of them is inflation. I mean, in the Fed policy moves, uh, you know, if you look back to June of 2022, I mean, inflation was 9.1%, and it's down to 3 to 4% range. So, you know, the Fed is still trying to temper wage gains. Uh, if you look at the ar- average hourly earnings growth, that remains above 4%, and that's higher than the Fed's goal. And, you know, the Fed uh, hiked the short-term federal funds rate from nearly zero in early 2022 to over 5% by July of this year. And that was a move to slow the economy and try to get inflation under control. And if, if you look at the at the Fed's definition of progress on inflation, they want to get it closer to the target of 2% per year. And the question is, is how much further um, inflation must level out before the Fed is willing to change course? And, and no one knows that answer. I mean, people have been projecting, I think last year, they were thinking that the Fed would start lowering rates this year. Now they're saying it's going to be next year, but no one knows. So right. inflation, you know, that's that's one of the, the issues with the economy right now and the, the interest rates. If that starts to get better, then that's going to help stocks going forward. And consumer spending is the other really big factor. Consumers' willingness to maintain, you know, spending growth has been a linchpin of the, the economy, always has. And so this is likely due in part to the strength of the labor market and wage growth, um, data on housing starts and uh, housing demand and auto sales show the the consumer demand remains solid, meaning um, you know that there's no major signs of a consumer pullback. So a focus on retail sales may be the best sign of whether the economy can maintain this positive momentum and uh, help boost corporate earnings. So those are the the two things to look at. Obviously, um, you know there's some other things you're going to talk about geopolitical, which obviously are you know front and center as well. Yeah, there are other considerations. You're right. And um, while they're not obvious factors, um, geopolitical events, you know, could definitely affect markets and and do affect them sometimes in positive ways and sometimes in negative ways. Um, For example, I mean, the surprise attack in Israel by the Palestinian militant group Hamas appears to be leading to war. And that certainly could result in some turmoil in the Middle East that is not easily resolved. And then we have this ongoing Russia-Ukraine war um, and the simmering economic tensions between the U.S. and China, you know, along with China's own economic challenges. Um, And that all could evolve into bigger issues that have an impact on the U.S. stock market. Um, Domestically, you know, lawmakers in Washington also have agreed to a 47-day budget extension, right, to avoid a government shutdown back at the end end of September However, um, the leadership, you know, issues in the House have delayed action on funding the federal government's operations um, for the year that began on October 1st. So as of mid, mid-November, I believe it is, is the deadline for uh, resolving that. Um, so we're going to likely have another situation where, you know, they'll be threatening a shutdown. So, you know, there's lots of events, and we always have these events, John. These aren't new. We, we have something going on all the time geopolitically. Yeah, no doubt. That does, you know, affect the stock market 
Sometimes they're positives. A lot of times they're negative like these. Yep. So, you know, you just have to be aware of that. Yeah. And another factor that's kind of out there, and it's, this is subtle, but there's a narrow group of stocks that have dominated uh, the market's rally in 2023. Um, they're called the Magnificent Seven. So there's seven stocks that have done outstanding. And, um, you know, that's propping up the market. And a lot of other sectors have not done well. Uh, utilities, healthcare, um, small cap value is is underperforming. But again, if you go back and look in 2022, those magnificent seven stocks got hammered. And um, yep. so, gosh, it's just very narrow leadership right now in the market. So got to be diversified. You got to keep a proper perspective as well. Market volatility and in investor uncertainty, are, they're not unusual. Uh, keep in mind, we're likely to have, uh, you know, likely to periodically experience these markets ups and downs over time. We've seen them in the past. Um, and we've seen markets uh, have been able to recover. I mean, historically, 25% of the years are negative um, and 75% are positive. So market volatility can, can be expected to persist with these issues uh, in the, um, the near term. And while we may see more of a favorable environment develop down the road, the market still faces some, some fundamental and some policy challenges. And, you know, one thing that we always know is these things always resolve themselves. We, we don't know when right. or the exact answer, the timing, certainly, but they always have. So you just got to be patient. Yeah, patience, it really is the key when it comes to investing. Um, one of the keys. And, you know, as he points out here in this article, I mean, it's important to maintain an appropriate perspective about markets. Um, you know, we encourage investors to view markets kind of with a long-term lens because timing the market and trying to be precise on when to be in or out of the market is nearly impossible, mm -hmm. John. I mean, you know, markets will do things at the exact opposite time that you expect them to. So you need to have a plan in place that helps you um, kind of focus on your decision-making from a long-term perspective, particularly in times like these. You know, that's the foundation to investing is, is to to really be focused on the long-term, to be patient, like you said, and, um, you know, over time, that's what's going to make you successful. Yeah. And so, you know, markets are, are up and down sideways this year. Um, you know, trying to build shares is a great strategy. If you're building wealth, you're adding money to your 401ks or Roth IRAs, you're buying more shares. In some cases, you're buying shares um, that are that are low and they're cheaper. So you're getting more shares. So, um, you know, that's one way to think about these downturns is it actually turns out to be a way to build wealth by buying more shares rebalancing is something that, that we look at quarterly and make adjustments where, where needed. Um, dividend reinvestments happening behind the scenes. So the more shares you can accumulate, the better off you're going to be long-term based on what we see historically. And um, if you're in retirement, you, know, you just have, a, have to, you have to have a strategy of leaving those shares alone and protecting them, which means, you know, doing some distributions from bond, the bond side of the portfolio or, or a stock fund that's done well. So, you know, there, there are ways to get through this. This is, these times are not uh, unprecedented. They, they happen. They, 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 you look back at history and 25% of the years are negative. You've got to build that into your plan. And it also takes patience and, um, you know, keeping the emotions out of the, uh, out of the decision-making process because people make emotional decisions and most of the time they're wrong. Yeah, that's exactly right. Having said all that, I mean, I really think the worst is probably behind us. You know, we've been through two bear markets in the last you know, three or four years. And, um, 
you know, this year is kind of flat, but uh, you know, it could still have a couple good months here mm-hmm. and, and, and kind of save it if you will. That's all it takes is, you know, it takes really, a couple good weeks, really. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't take much. Quickly. So, uh, you know, I'm pretty optimistic. We've seen the worst of it. I think the Fed is probably done raising rates for the most part. They might do one more quarter point. Yeah. And then I, I kind of feel like markets are going to respond positively. Nobody knows. Um, but you know, I think now really is the time you need to have patience. You yep. really do. Yep. So good topic. All right. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this is um the question is how do you calculate net worth? And and net worth is basically looking at at all your assets. So you got cash and you have four one Ks and maybe you have a house and cars and things like that, and you subtract out the debt that you have associated with those assets. Um, so if you have a mortgage or if you have credit card debt or car loans, and the difference between your assets and your liabilities um, equals your net worth um, financially. And so we recommend tracking that once a year. You know, you can put all your balances down. Um, we have a sheet, and I know you do it as well, and just kind of see how the progress is made over time because building wealth does take time, and the net worth is a great way to show that. And so one of the interesting you know, discussions we have sometimes with people is if you have you know, cash sitting in an account and you have debt that you're paying on, let's say you have 50,000 of cash and you have, you know, 10,000 of debt. If you take 10,000 from your cash and you pay off that debt, it doesn't change your net worth. It just moves it from an asset, lowers your asset, but it also reduces the liability. So your net worth doesn't change at all. It just changes the makeup of it. So just understanding net worth a little bit is important. Yeah. And that's a good point. Good point. Good tip of the week here. And so, all right, and that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is um, the 11 rules that help save a million dollars. John, yeah, this is based on a recent article from a guy named Steve Adick, Adick, Adcock, I guess, Adcock. Um, and, you know, and it's really about him. I mean, I mean, this is a remarkable story about a couple who retired from a, a full-time work at age 35 and 33. That's um, young. <laughs> that's pretty young, Right. And so this guy, Steve Adcock, I mean, he recounted the day he retired, December 23rd, uh, 2016, last day of his full-time job, um, after he accumulated $870,000 working in the information technology field. And with the help of the market, that quickly increased to about a million dollars shortly thereafter. And he says, you know, he wasn't born rich. He didn't start his own business, didn't, you know, have any, you know, any side hustles, Um uh, but he just accumulated wealth the old-fashioned way by working hard, by making strategic financial moves. So, um, so how did Steve Adcock and his wife do it? Um, well, they made some very smart decisions about life, about spending money early on, how they spent their money, how they saved money along the way. So here are 11 things that he calls kind of stupid, simple things kind of a Dave Ramsey kind of approach here. Stupid, simple things that help them escape the rat race after a 14-year career. Yeah, the first one was they ignored the follow your passion advice. And he says, you know, passions tend to be more on the creative side, but they can't always pay the bills. Uh, But your strengths do. So in this case, his his, uh, strength was, or his passion was photography, but his strength was in the computer science field. So in 2004, his starting salary as a software engineer was 55000 and by 2016, he was making well over 100000 And he probably wouldn't have made that much if he had chose to follow his passion, which, again, was photography. So 
while combining your hobby with a high-paying, marketable career is possible, it's less common than you think. So build a career out around something that you're good at, that you can make a good income and do that savings. And you can do your your passion on the side. And you know, if you save enough, you can go do it full-time. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's wonderful advice for young people because yep. <clears throat> so many people want to follow their passion and it's not that's not Can't make something money, that yeah. can make money. <laughs> exactly. And then what he said, he, number two, he learned from millionaires. Um, throughout his career, he worked with many wealthy people, you know, and instead of being jealous of them, he said he took notes, you know. He he says you'll never forget this guy, Brian, <clears throat> who he worked with after college. Um, he was a few years older than him, but he drove us, you know, a, a six-year-old Honda Accord. And even though he was a millionaire, he had a cheap, you know, Casio watch, and he didn't wear designer clothes. He said he was always the first person in the office, never got wrapped up in office politics. You know, he often volunteered for more responsibility. You know, he, he didn't come from money. Instead, he earned his wealth by investing, controlling his spending. So, you know, he learned from that by watching and mentoring from somebody that was very successful at it. Um, and then the next one was he, he, he cut losers from his life, he says. So kind of on the same thread here, I mean, if you only hang out with people who drink at bars, who spend money, um, you're likely going to follow those same money-draining habits. So instead, he said he's upgraded his life by upgrading his friends. Um, you know, he associated with the top performers in the office. He spent extra time with people who were more successful than he was. He says his, his mission was to build a relationship with those type people so that their habits would rub off on him. You know, and, um, you know, he says he he was motivated. He says he motivated each other. You know, um, he began making better money decisions. He cut back on alcohol at work. You know, he put in overtime regularly. He, you know, asked for raises and promotions, you know, just like the high performers did. And he says it worked. Yeah, that's good. I like that one. Yeah. It's a Dave Ramsey one. Cut the losers in your life. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> uh, number four here is he exploited the um, the benefits at his uh, at his employer. So 401k, he got the match, 4% company match, free money. Um, you know, you may also have an HSA or educational or training opportunities that they'll pay for to help boost your marketability. And these can all go a long way to building wealth or get promotions and raises throughout your career. So just make sure you've you got benefits from companies. Make sure you're taking advantage of those. Yeah, that's right. Another one he points out here is he automated everything. <clears throat> and I like that. You know, he says automating things using technology simply makes you more productive and successful. Um, he used automatic payroll deductions for his 401k and his Roth IRAs. And, and I love that because you don't have to think about it, right? You only make one decision and it just happens. It defaults to success for you. Um, he also used automated bank transfers to contribute money into his brokerage account. You know, this helped ensure that he was saving money from every paycheck and he was paying himself first. Um, he also enrolled in auto bill payment for utilities like electric, water, you know, some credit cards. Says he never missed a single payment, always avoided late fees, interest charges, any penalties. He avoided all that because he automated his life. Um, the next one he points out here, he says he ignored the Joneses. Mm. Um, that's good. And that is good. You know, just because your neighbors, you know, bought a brand new car, a boat, you know, house doesn't mean you need to, you know, the best way to ignore the Joneses, he says, was to stay focused on your own goals. 
Um, he and his wife, they would talk about their future hopes every night. You know, they would walk the dogs around the neighborhood. Um, he says this helped just kind of keep their goals in front of them, front and center in their minds. Um, and they didn't let other people's spending habits affect their habits. Yeah, that's, that's very good. Next one's good too. Communication. He prioritized communication with his spouse. Uh, sometimes spouses can have different ideas regarding spending habits or, or goals or dreams. And, you know, if left unchecked, these differences can cause arguments and other problems in the relationship that keep you from achieving your financial goals. So, you know, healthy relationships depend on open communication. You can align uh, on the goals and uh, figure out what makes you happy as a couple and a family. So talking about these future goals, um, you know, frequently kept them on the same page to make sure they were driving towards those goals, but just communicating and people understanding, Hey, if you spend this, then you can't do this. And just being on the same page. Exactly. Yep. Another one here was he prioritized his health. Um, he says, you know, life's about more than just money, you know, beyond faith. I mean, your health has to be a top priority and, you know, good health makes you happier and makes you more productive. It also reduces the chance of unexpected medical expenses. So in 2007, he says he was way out of shape. He was unhealthy. So he decided to make a change in his lifestyle, you know, about better eating, exercising regularly. So over the next two years, he lost 70 pounds and uh, got in the best shape of his life, he says. So at 41, um, you know, he says he continues to exercise daily. Um, of course, you know, you don't really need a gym to stay in great shape, too. So don't think you have to go spend a lot of money to do that. I mean, I'm, I mostly personally... I do push-ups, I do run-up downstairs, you know, um, and, and that's mostly what I do. But you can take walks, you can ride a bike, you can do all sorts of exercises with nothing but a mat. Um, so don't think you really need expensive equipment or gym membership to get on track for exercising and staying in health, in good health. Yeah, that's good. Another, another one is uh, <laughs> avoiding credit card debt. Americans uh, are saddled with more than $840 billion in credit card debt. Interest rates are extremely high, and this is just not a good kind of debt. I mean, it just is not going to build wealth. And he says he never paid a single dollar in credit card interest um, and said he owed uh, much of that to his dad teaching him that, um, that credit card debt was unacceptable even for a month. So for many people, credit cards makes it too easy to spend money they don't have, and it's a habit they can quickly get out of control. Uh, only the use of credit cards, um, you know, he only uses them as a convenience the fraud protection and implied warranties that many cards offer their customers uh, say, make it worth it for him. He pays it off every single month, and it's a big reason why he was able to retire in his mid-30s. Yeah, that's good. Um, another one here that you don't see very often in today's world is he said he's, he always says said yes. Um, and what he means by that, you know, he was always looking for opportunities, and he didn't pass up on one when it came his way. He said, you know, even if he didn't know how to do a job being offered to him, he would always accept the challenge, figure out a way to make it happen. Um, he recalled one Friday at his office when he was called into a meeting with the CEO of the company he was working for. He was nervous going in, but, you know, it turned out to be the best career opportunity he had ever gotten. The organization fired the entire management team <laughs> above him, and they wanted him to be the director of technology information for their firm. So as a, you know, low level software developer, you know, um, that giant leap, you know, seemed daunting, but you know, he never looked back, you know, and he, he just, you know, he, he had never worked as a manager, although he would felt unprepared for it. He took the opportunity 
and, um, you know, resisted the urge to say thanks, but no thanks. He accepted it and, you know, asked a lot of questions, found mentors, gained experience to, you know, up the level to, uh, to, to get to the point that he could do it. And, uh, he said it was the best career movie ever made. So that was a good one. The last one here was, you know, he said he stopped going to bars. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think this could apply to any expensive habit, mm-hmm. right? He says early in his career, he would often go to bars with coworkers. Each trip, he says he would spend 70 to $100 for the privilege of drinking, right? And, you know, over a month, his bar habit, you know, would drain his wallet of 350 to $400, right? So, I mean, one day he decided to start skipping the outings. You know, he invested in the money instead, and it helped contribute to the million-dollar nest egg that he built by age 35, um, so keep your alcohol, your entertainment, your expensive lattes, golf, spending golf, whatever it is, John, whatever is draining <laughs> your wallet, right? Yeah, I didn't keep think you'd check. go along with that well, one. Well, you can do it on the, on yeah. the you know, on the uh, more modest level, right? right? And so it goes for anything, anything you got to kind of keep it in check, right? And that's what he's saying here. You know, it's okay to go out occasionally, certainly, but if it becomes a habit, I mean, you're reducing the quality of your future, you know, self by spending more money than you should. So, uh, yeah, watch those spending habits. And, and those are the things that can really add up over time and, and can't hurt you. And that leads us right to our prescription of the week, John, because that's exactly what we're talking about here. You know, watch the small things in your life. Um, like, you know, eating out too much, like, you know, getting that $5 latte, you know, or, or, or going to the fancy golf club, spending too much on some hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, those small things really add up. And if you save that money instead, like he did, and you compound it for years, it adds up to a huge chunk of money toward your future retirement savings, whatever goals you have. So watch the small things in your life. Cancel those subscriptions you're not using, you know, save that money instead. Get that going into your Roth IRA. That's your prescription of the week. So, um, all right. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial help. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. You can send us your questions, and we'll talk about those right here on the show. Or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706 739 0725. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your week. Have a good one. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 